0: Welcome to episode 21 Twenty-one, of uh, yeah, uh, First Strike the Invasion podcast. It's the podcast that looks at the 1988 DC Comics crossover, Invasion, and all its tie-ins. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass. I'm still
1: sick. Uh, I'm not. Well, I do cough once in a while. I probably won't during the podcast.
0: Yes, I'll I'll probably edit those out. Yes, you will. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, really it's the same we're we're recording on the same date as the previous episode, so that explains my voice. Yeah. yeah. We we chunk it. Uh, today we're talking about The Spectre number 23. Uh, this is like the third, is it the third Spectre series? Anyways. I think <laughs> no, it's so. It's the second maybe. Anyways, it's the Doug Mensch Um, series that started with Gene Colan on art not by this point though Spectre number 23 we're going to talk about that issue specifically and how it ties into the invasion Uh, and then uh, in the second part of the episode normally we'd be talking about the Spectre and what he means to us but we've got two issues of the Spectre to cover before the end of this series And the next one just has a Spectre in it. So we're going to leave this off until next time. And instead, we're going to talk about various other mystical superheroes in the DC Universe because they all guest star here. Yeah, they're all a part of this. And that's wonderful. So we're going to just give you an overview of the mystical side of DC Comics and what that means to us in the second part of the show. Ready, Bass? I am ready. Excellent. Uh, The issue is called House of the Secret Enemy. It's by writer Doug Mensch. Uh, artist Chris Wozniak, colorist Robbie Bush, letterer John Costanza, assistant editor Kevin Dooley, and editor Andy Helfer. Let's look at that cover. You've got spaceships flying through towards a star, a pink star, in the top of the image, and then underneath is basically a a vision that uh, the Spectre is giving to the other heroes, and those others are Deadman, the Etrigan, dr fate and the phantom stranger more characters inside but yeah. these uh these five stars are on the cover what do you think of this
1: i did like the cover it's a nice cover because uh there's a lot of people there uh, you seem like you're inside this circle because they create like the
0: oh yeah we were another mystical yeah
1: order. you kind of feel like you're inside the cover the cause... reader and he's showing off like a vision of something else or it might seem like he's holding on to something because the specter has his hands up and we don't see his hands or kind of see his hands but they're inside this the cloud cloudy visiony maybe portal we don't know to something else you know what? The first thing I saw on this cover was that Etrigan was smiling. And I thought, oh, my God, why is this thing? Why is this guy smiling? This cannot be good. So there was this Because <laughs> everyone danger. else is very serious. Because <laughs> everybody else is serious. Etrigan has this big smile on his face. So I, I first thing I thought was, oh, my what what's going on? And why is he... Happy. And, of course, I always mistake Phantom Stranger for Dr. Occult for some odd reason. I don't know why. I thought it was Dr. Occult at first. I was like, ah, Dr. Occult? Because he was beside Dr. Fate. But, you know, it's it's Phantom Stranger because I said, no, no, yeah, that's not. Dr. Occult is brown. This one is not.
0: Uh, and a brown <laughs> coat, yeah. Yeah.
1: Other than that, I think it's a nice-looking cover. I. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like how it draws you in. Yeah. And it does have a fake-out on there because it looks like... Uh, we're seeing the invasion, the invasion that we're following in the, the the top part. But it's really a different invasion. It is. And we'll, we'll reveal how that image connects when we do the synopsis, really, yeah. or when we talk about the issue. How about we go into that synopsis? Let's. You
1: All have right. a great synopsis set up.
0: Bear with me. <laughs> in Nevada's mesas... Where UFO sightings and cattle mutilations have been reported, we saw this in the. We you know we talked about preludes and yeah. uh, to the invasion, and we did talk a little bit about the Spectre then, and you know there was some weird stuff going some on. Some weird stuff going on that was kind of thematically similar to the invasion, but different.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, in those mesas, demonic beings have abducted Bug McGrew, a member of the Spectre's supporting cast, uh, but failed to do the same to Sinner Hassan and Zoran. In a diner in the desert, a strange couple cleans up for the night and are surprised to find men in black in their establishment. Mibs who want to kill them, no less. Just then, one of the demonic beings attacks the men in black and they all kill each other. The couple then sets itself the task of disposing of the bodies, oddly calm in their demeanors. They drive off with the demon under a tarp in the back of their truck. Um, We come back to this every so often in the issue. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the Spectre has assembled the mystical heroes of Earth to pass on the Lords of Order's command to not interfere with the alien invasion, lest the Lords of Chaos decide to take a hand. Instead, they should put their talents to stopping an other-dimensional invasion by the demons who are behind the UFO sightings. Demons who make capes from cow stomach linings so they can psychically fly, projecting auras that have been mistaken for flying saucers. These heroes are Dead Man. Madame Xanadu, Zatanna, the Demon Etrigan, the Phantom Stranger, Tala, who is a Phantom Stranger villain... I didn't know who she was. ...and Dr. Fate. They split up to fight the demons on the home front and to rescue Bug from the other dimension before he's killed and his lost soul can't go to his proper place. The demon Tala and Zatanna make short work of the invaders here on Earth while the rest enter the portal to the other place, an infinite shaft in which floats millions of ships of all shapes and sizes. There, Dr. Fate fights the creature's parent, revealing the invaders are just naughty children joyriding on Earth's plane. While the monster is busy, the others are free to revive and free Bug, who believes he's on a UFO. After they return to our plane, the aliens are sent home, and Fate seals the portal. An angry dead man then sets off to help take care of the real threat, the alien alliance menacing Earth, and screw the specter and his orders from on high. (laughs) That's, that's,
1: That's what it is. That's what it is.
0: So this is a story with demonic children making flight capes out of stomach linings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: pretty big stomach linings. I didn't know uh, cow stomach linings were so big. Maybe but, they uh, have to sew them together. But they they had specific cows who were sp- eating specific grass who had been kind of infected by radiation. What is the
0: story? Uh, that's that is the question. <laughs> What's it all about and why is it there? And, um, and then there's that whole thing with the, the, the two people from the diner who are kind of yeah, pathological. Like we're not too sure what kind of... Maybe they are creatures from... An, well, they're kind of weird because... Because they drive away and we know that we'll see them again. I mean, it's, yeah. this is a continuing story, obviously.
1: Yeah, of course. and But they are weird because they are kissing atop this dead demon... Uh, between them and you know they take this time to, you know they were almost yes, killed by romance. men in black and you know took the time to you know have a little kissy kissy session before deboning it's the human very
0: strange story
1: because they they only throw the bones all over the place from the humans what happened i mean i i did see the demon uh, and, and not to confuse with the demon itrigan uh, the, yeah the, let's the, call
0: Trigan, Trigan.
1: okay yeah uh and the demons would be these you know very funky looking uh demons um did they just disintegrate? There is is I don't know what happened to these men in black. Are the only things left? Well, they the, said they the were going to
0: get rid of them, but um, yeah, no. I, this is probably a side story, and perhaps it's continued in the next issue. I probably which yeah. we have to cover anyways. Yeah. So let's leave that for another day, perhaps. Yeah. Well, we knew that the Spectre couldn't take part in the invasion because in invasion number one, he is called to wherever the Lords of Order reside, and yeah. he's told there. So we knew he can't be in it. Yeah. They're too powerful. Even though the Spectre at this point isn't quite as powerful as you used to be in the golden age or you would be later, you know, where he's just like the arm of God and yeah. he can do anything. Still magic would probably you, you could make short work of this invasion
1: well yeah I think uh, when we did do the uh, the the musings and premises and or the the, the prologues and
0: prologues and preludes that's prologues that's, and that was preludes. the name
1: it really felt like they just wanted to take magic out of the equation because you know it would mess up the whole story and this issue kind of still feels like that. Only they went to, you know, they got everybody. Get Just get everybody that, that does magic. You know, you don't want Dr. Fate in there because he's very powerful in this day and
0: age. You know, so you just take everybody yeah, Although out. I doubt that Madame Xanadu would have turned the tide. Or uh, Z- even Zatanna. Even Zatanna, a- yeah. Zatanna's a superhero. She, I mean, she's been in the Justice League. Uh, yes, she has powerful magic, but she's no more powerful than Captain Adam or yeah. uh, some of the other people. Taking part uh is, is just it was just taken out of the equation and a dead man refuses this and yeah and i hope we see him invasion
1: i hope we do because i kind of like that
0: yeah i really like dead man so he's disobeying but i doubt it's enough for the lords of chaos to go oh yeah screw around because
1: that's the, the the premise behind this is that the lords of order don't want uh, the spectre to be metal in there because they—if he does, the, then the lords of chaos. It's like a as if they they would be shooting the first shot there. Yeah, that's or drawing so like a blood. truce.
0: Yeah, we're not we're not going into that. And if we send any of our agents, they're then, gonna. Yeah, yeah. we have to retaliate. Mm-hmm. And so understandably, someone like the spectre, if he's full powered or Phantom Stranger, yeah, uh, who has an unknown quantity of power, could probably change how it goes but then as far as interfering goes i don't think they do very much in this issue either well even with this secondary invasion from another dimension that they've got to take care of the specter and the phantom stranger are hardly in it well you know what i
1: kind of dug that this was like 1988's version of, you know, Justice League Dark. The only thing is, in this issue, it doesn't feel like the menace that they have to fight instead of being part of the invasion is big enough for all of these people. You know, we have a lot of powerful characters, Spectre and Phantom Stranger and Dr. Fate, and you know, and, and some are less. But, you know, they're kind of still, it could have been something bigger or something more fun.
0: Then, you know, demon children just running amok? Well, that's, I I mean, more fun. I think that's a fun idea. I mean, it's a really crazy idea that we were looking at UFOs. It's supposed to be a mirror of the invasion kind of thing. There's like another invasion going on. And it turns out it's not aliens. It's other dimensional demon kids mutilating cattle to make magic items. And their home dimension is just spaceships. Which kind of explain why there have been UFO sightings forever, but they're not actually any aliens that yeah. are in the DC Universe. Because they're all probably from that dimension, popping into our dimension. Yeah. And it's just a dimension that is a shaft or corridor of floating ships. It's very weird. It's completely gonzo. I don't know if it belongs in a Spectre story exactly. I think it's like it's a Doom Patrol kind of thing. It, but, yeah, yeah, actually, you know, it's like a crazy kind of Grant like Morrison that. thing. But nonetheless, I think that is a fun, crazy. You know, I can't like Bob Haney comics not like this. I can't like, you know, yeah, I can't like Grant Morrison not like this. But I'm not sure it's a Spectre story.
1: Oh, it, it definitely. I don't think it is either. He's just, he's just like the messenger in this thing. He hardly does
0: anything. It feels like they have brought. Madame Zenendo there for nothing. She was there for nothing, and so was the. And there's round. just a whole sequence where dead dead man goes to find her, gets her on a plane, flies her to the to Nevada, Nevada, or sorry, it, well, sorry, a, Nevadans. There's a, uh, I
1: don't pronounce it well. There's this big fuss to bring Madame Xanandu there, and she doesn't do anything. She yeah. doesn't
0: even bring the cards. No, she doesn't even read any cards. So. What is this? What's what's going on? And it was she so much trouble? To the Lords of Order that they just needed to put her in a cave somewhere yeah. uh, during the invasion. They
1: couldn't just send an email or something?
0: Yeah, that's it's not very well thought out. I, I mean, it's, well, it definitely, it's just let's assemble these heroes and then what did he, And I don't even know what Tala's doing there. It, it really felt she ever like, a hero?
1: I, I, it really felt like they just wanted to take the magic out. All the magic out. No matter who they West were. Where's Constantine? I don't... I, that's what I, I thought when I thought, well, this is like the Justice League Dark for 88. And figured, well, I guess uh, Hellblazer wasn't there. Or yeah. Constantine wasn't well, there. Well,
0: that's that's a point, And uh, we'll make it certainly in the second part of the show uh, that here we have very... Give or take a uh, Madame Xanadu. But even yeah. so, she very much interacts with superheroes. And so does the Phantom Stranger, for example. These are uh, mystical superheroes. And then there's the whole... They're not the... Like, the characters are going to be ported over to Vertigo. They're not Hellblazer and Swamp Thing who are having their own thread or are being treated separate. Already, they're, they're separate, even though Vertigo doesn't exist. Yeah. So, there's, like, the mature readers stuff, and then there's these guys who are all-ages mystical superheroes. Yeah. Uh, whether or not they're code-approved. So, that's why these guys are together, and they never really went to the Vertigo side. It does feel... I don't know.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I enjoyed it because I enjoy these characters individually, somewhat. I enjoy that they had Etrigan in there because he's my kid's favorite, one of my kids' favorites. But you know, other than that, I I really didn't see why they had to have Deadman there or Madame Xanadu or any of them really there. That couldn't be done by just sending a magical message saying we cannot. This is a big fuss for nothing.
0: Essentially, invasion number one. Should have told us, you know, Spectre gets the message, Spectre tells all the rest. Could have happened right there on the same page. And then uh, Spectre number 23 is just a continuing story of the Spectre, not taking part in the invasion. Could happen later, could happen whatever. We don't have to talk about it at all. So so it feels like a cheat. It does. More so than like the Swamp Thing, which was also a side story Mm -hmm. with an alien that wasn't part of the Alliance. But we still saw, you know, the Dominators were behind it. Uh, there was still you know, something's happening on Earth. I mean, there's still a recruitment drive for heroes. In this case, it's all about the heroes that are not participating doing something else entirely and there's no connection to the invasion except characters being told not to take part in the invasion. Well, there there could have been. See, this
1: thing, this whole uh, story could have been part of the invasion. Other dimensional demons, if they're Utter dimensional, I mean, the Lords of Chaos, do they apply there? And if they're not part of the alien invasion, how, how does this differ from any... You know, I don't understand why this trans-universe thing couldn't be applied to the actual invasion. This could have been an invasion story where the Dominators found somebody who can rip open dimensions... And you know the magical beings are the the first line of defense for these types of things, right? But
0: they're um, they're part of the alliance anyways. Those guys, yeah. the you know the demons, yeah, it could have been. I don't. Know, uh, I don't know why it's they It's like it. They've got like the same theme. Same theme. UFOs. Yeah, you know, and they're just still a UFO thing, except it goes really bonkers. If if you're telling me my mystical here superheroes can't take part, uh, and you're not going to send them off Earth like you did the swamp thing. Then I'm wondering what, like, my story idea would probably be to have the mystical heroes kind of playing behind the Lord of Order's back. How can we help without seeming like we're helping? Yeah. How can we help secretly? Like, Dead Man can possess bodies and then maybe not show his hand or uh, Xanadu is giving information from, you know, like she's looking at the future and giving information. And all we see is like a big bluff where these heroes are actually helping without it seeming like they are. And then just going, us? No. When they're called. But, you know, something where they get to actually help without being able to, to actually be on the front lines. Yeah. But they're still helping and they're sort of... Uh, you know, subverting the will of the Lords of Order. That would have been more interesting to me, like more of a Black Ops kind of story to it.
1: Eh. It it would have been a nice option or or have them have their own thing, you know, like the mystical superheroes crossover where, you know, if you take everybody, every magical superhero and you, you trap them somewhere because of the invasion... And they, I don't know, they try to get out and they they try to, to, you know, get to the fight, but they, you know, they just can't make it. You still have this, at least some kind of a story arc where it still fits in the invasion without, you know, being part of the invasion. If they would have done something like that, then you can still have these superheroes that are linked into it without making quote unquote excuses for them not to be part of it. Right now, it feels like an excuse. For not being part of the invasion. I get it. I mean, invasions have a lot of characters. You have to write about everybody. Every character has to be, you know, properly written and everything. And I get that. And it could be complicated to get everybody in there. But that's the nature of the crossover. I
0: think my I main beef is probably that if, if you're going to do a side, not a side story, but send them to do another story with so little link then I, I'm sort of not happy that there's a first-strike banner on this, uh, because it's not about the invasion at all. It has nothing to do with uh, it. It's just, what what are they doing while they're not participating in invasion? Well, some series did not participate in invasion, the Teen Titans or whatever, and there's not a, like a banner and then somebody saying, well, oh, geez, uh I guess we're stuck on Tamaran or wherever. Uh, We can't take part in the invasion, you know. Or oh, we're fighting a different invasion. La la la. No, no, nobody's doing that. And then putting a banner, you know, slapping the 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 invasion logo on there. Yeah. So the Spectre did, and then even the next issue is considered a uh, sort of epilogue book to um, to things in Invasion. But I think we'll find that. It's not very much connected either. We're just slapping on. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just disappointed here well, at the yeah. connection. I think like the comic stands up. I Chris Wozniak's art is. Kind of rough and loosey goosey kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, it kind of works. It but kind of works. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like what um, Sean McManus was doing on yeah. Doctor Fate in this era. That kind of uh feel to the line. Yeah, uh, he's got a strange Doctor Fate with a, like a giant helmet on.
1: The helmet is really long. Yeah,
0: it's like long in the front. It's kind of weird. He's but, very um,
1: mu- he's very muscular for a, an intellectual who does magic.
0: I look at my Superpowers action figure and he's muscly. Yeah, yeah. He's so got, got the same body as everybody else. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so it's still a superhero book and a colorful one. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, like, the choice of which characters are there. Uh, but then when you get to the uh, more horror parts of it, you know, the line, that kind of line still yeah. works well for, for that. Nice shadows. You know, like that shot of Etrigan on page 18 with the cape is all in black behind him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, dropping down on the, on the creature. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but again, this is a new format book, uh, just like, uh, last episode's, uh, New Guardians. Yeah. And so it's like very blocky, dark colors, uh, and they sort of eat up the art sometimes. It uh, really does. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, like those demons are like deep, rich browns and reds. And you sort of don't see any of the details. I yeah. I'd like to see this book desaturated and just in black and white. And I think it would actually work uh better in many of the sequences than it does with this garish color scheme. You know, just like the new Guardians one, I think the new format books all had that problem. But yeah, so we've talked about that before and uh it's still true. But Wasnyx's art is well suited to this kind of creepy world of uh you know, like infestations of bats in the sky and so yeah. he gets the the black on the white and then there's like this drop of color on top of all that that sort of kind of muffles that effect. Yeah, muffles the effect, exactly. So, it's a thing of parts. Uh, Any last comments before we we go to a break? You know what?
1: Like you probably do, I really would have wished that with all these great characters in one comic book, this would have been more. It's kind of a letdown, because all these great characters are in one book. This was an opportunity to make something really
0: awesome. And it just wasn't. I'm sad now. Yeah, it feels... It feels... um, unimportant and even dead man feels it you know, He's yeah. angry at the end not so much because we've been ignoring he's the reader we've been ignoring the the main invasion mm-hmm. but because we've been fighting children what is this bullshit
1: yeah you know? exactly
0: and boston brand calls him on it were you just like it was this just like a diversion to keep us from taking part is that what this this is you could like the specter could have handled this on his own exactly this silly thing so when he's angry and he goes to, to fight the actual invasion I think we're with with him. Yeah, we are. And that is sort of a writerly misstep because it's nice that we're with a character, but it means we're unhappy with the book itself. We want to be Deadman and um, we're also saying, screw you, Spectre.
1: It's very (laughs) self-aware. It's very (laughs) self-aware.
0: We'll take a small break and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, the mystical side of DC Comics. Stick around.
2: Hello listeners, it's your friend PJ Frightful, that's PJ as in podcast jockey, and I'm dropping dreadful new episodes every two weeks. When the clock strikes midnight, the podcasting hour shines a candle on the dark corners of DC Comics, those supernatural sagas of Swamp Thing, Dead Man, The Spectre, and more. The Podcasting Hour. It's a rotating anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween part of the fire and water podcast network beware
0: we're back we're talking about the uh, mystical Justice League Dark Justice League Dark <laughs> we're talking about Justice League Dark in a sense we're talking about the, the many characters that we see here they also reference another character that we haven't mentioned uh, they reference Baron Winters who is um, can't go because he's stuck in a house. Uh, he's the leader of the Night Force. Okay. So, not that the Night Force was active at this point, but uh, they do mention the Baron in in this. So, there, there are other mystical forces, yeah, around, even though we, they did not take part in the story. Who's your favorite? Either of these, or any mystical superhero? In you know this what? Universe? I, I have
1: a couple of them that I really like, and for different reasons. And s- some of the reasons are kind of, but I I will say it. I like these guys because of reasons. <laughs> reasons are important reasons are important the demon itrigan love him I share that with my kid. I always like Dr. Fate, uh, which is kind of a, for the same reasons that people like uh, Doctor Strange. You know, it's an all powerful wizard. But I really like the way that he kind of embodies more superhero than mystical because of the suit, because of the color scheme, you know, the, the pale blue and yellow. It's kind of a weird mix that kind of works, but doesn't really work but kind of still works because it's a classic the mask is cool always like that and you know just the simple fact that he's like this powerful magician slash wizard slash magic user i don't know how to call the specter i always like but more feared than like because he's kind of this weird character well he's been a lot of things
0: yeah and we're going to talk about him in in the exactly
1: cover specter 24 and normally, I really like Zatanna. But in this, she was like, me. Eh. Yeah, no, she because didn't she, have much to do. She didn't have much to do and she did not have fishnets. So that, for me, is, you know. But I'd say my favorite out of all these guys would be Dr. Fate. Because of his, uh, I, I'd say his journey. You know, he's one of these old, old superheroes. Part of the Justice Society. Earth two, something else. Two. Two? <laughs> <laughs> I can't really know all the time because they always change yeah. up and, you know, but Earth 2 superheroes, you know, had variations. At one point, there were two people as one, Dr. Fate, and he was a woman for a while. Yeah. For uh, two whiles. For two wiles, two actually. Two different yeah. wiles. <laughs> um, yeah. Wasn't he also Hawkman's son uh, in the later Jeff John years where they brought back... Uh, quite possible. And uh, they had a
0: different one for the New 52 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For me, I I agree with you because Dr. Fate is a real classic as far as looks go. Uh, I mentioned my superpowers action figure earlier. It's a prized possession. Yeah. Uh, He looks so great, so cool. He is, yeah. And, uh, you know, squeezes legs and he casts a spell. I remember. I've always loved, I say always, I love the golden age of comics. Not necessarily reading those old stories necessarily because they're primitive yeah. very often uh, and hard to find to boot. Awesome. But uh, I like the the Golden Age heroes. I like the World War II era and uh, this whole bunch of new characters. And the way you discovered them when I was a kid was through All-Star Squadron. Yeah. And uh, I remember buying an All-Star Squadron issue with the tarantula prominently featured on the cover and uh, not getting it. I was like, well, what is this? <laughs> Why is Batman driving this old car? And, you know, I... I couldn't wrap my head around Earth to It It was not yeah. a concept I knew about. And later on, I bought an issue, uh, which was, and then went back and found all the other ones. Basically, from that okay. point, and it's like a late one, number forty-seven or so, uh, and it's uh, the secret origin of Doctor Fate. Oh wow! And Doctor Fate in that there's the whole the whole origin, the helmet of Nabu, blah blah blah. But at this point in his career, both in the real Golden Age and in the comic. Uh, he had given up the helmet of Nabu, and he was like using the half mask, the yeah, half yeah, yeah, helmet, yeah. Uh, and he was just downpowered to just mystical super strength and endurance kind of thing. Okay, he couldn't cast spells anymore, not without the helm, and um, that gave him more personality. He wasn't just like a booming voice and yeah. sort of unknowable entity. He was a guy, and he was feeling this stuff about having purposefully downpowered himself because he was losing control. He didn't like the that yeah. fact. And uh he could actually have a relationship with Inza, uh who was his love interest and eventual wife. And I really latched onto that character. And then going back and front uh on those issues of All Star, he was a very prominently featured character. It was almost like he wasn't my in my first All-Star, but he he actually was. He was in the mm-hmm. like first All-Star comics that I enjoyed and then wanted to read more. And uh, so he remained. Uh, he remained a favorite. I loved the uh, '80s, '90s uh, series, the, the late '80s series, which was very strange and did not feature the same guy. No, it, you know, it's like yeah. two people that joined into one, and
1: yeah. that was a very odd. Did you like the? At one point, the I think the helmet explodes, or I don't know what happens to the helmet, but you know, the guy,
0: what the guy, what's the guy
1: his with name? the unk just the, yeah, the unk on his face. No, I did just not fate. like fate. Okay,
0: uh, I did not read fate. Okay. That was like a '90s extreme kind of. It was. Book it was. I was just asking because no. that's
1: the one part I I I, I vaguely remember. No, I, I stuck
0: to, I stuck to the um, uh, J M de Mateus series, and then until it became when they went back to. Uh, Kent Nelson as Doctor Fate and then gave it to Enza. I mean, well, they didn't really go back to. I mean whatever. It just went back to the original paradigm and made Enza. I, I stuck through the whole series. Okay, uh, even when it you know kind of changed and then sort of flailed and flopped did not go to fate then did not read comics in the 2000s in any case after that uh until much you know much later in the decade and um lost touch with you know I didn't read the justice society books from the, the 2000s Oh, I, I kind of did I, I Yeah love, I love. no I, I, that was the point where I wasn't into comics yeah. for financial reasons and for my own health and um <laughs> so so Dr. Fate is to me like my favorite mm-hmm. and yet would I read Dr. Fate stories all that much Am I that interested in magic, casting magic spells? There have been some very good books, Mm -hmm. some very cool-looking books, but um, I'm I'm not entirely sure that Dr. Fate as a concept is an automatic buy for me. You know what? I'm more likely to read a dead man book or a demon book. Well,
1: I think Dr. Fate is one of those characters who can live within a group all the time, like in, in the Justice Society or something like that. He could just be that character. Or a character who could... You know, you could build an awesome miniseries or graphic novel around. But you kind of... I don't know if you can have an ongoing, continuous series without... With the original Dr. Fate. With the original Dr.
0: Fate. Yeah, it's kind of a tough ask. And then when characters are so powerful or could do anything, essentially, and don't have that much of a... Aside from Inza, there is no real supporting cast. And I think that was the charm and why the, the 80s series worked... Was because they created a like it was a different Doctor Fate. Uh, they created a different supporting cast yeah. for that Doctor Fate, and you were interested and invested in that supporting cast. PD the Demon, and, yeah. you know that's that was was interesting, and the tone was really weird uh, and interesting and comical, funny and yet dark and brooding and also philosophical. So it had a real identity. You know, it wasn't yeah. just like a mystical superhero book. I think it's easier to do something like Doctor Strange, who is a, feels more like a human being living in a, a human life. Yeah. But I think writers have gotten into the same kind of troubles with him that yeah. they would with Doctor Fate. Well, uh, they,
1: they kind of need, like, to be this regular Joe who has this magical superpower that has a job being a magical being. For us to invest. And they definitely need that supporting cast because they kind of represent the reader, because yeah. we, we love supporting casts, and, and I can see why you, you get into trouble.
0: It's even tough. like Even the other characters are kind of tough because Dead Man, I think Dead Man was a, an extremely great concept originally. Guy is assassinated, becomes a ghost. He's able to possess people and then uses his abilities as a ghost to solve his own murder. Yeah. Once that's done, what's next? And I think Dead Man has suffered after that original storyline. What do you do with him? What What is he about? And he works well as a supporting character, yeah. as a guest star. He was great in Brave and the Bold, yeah. uh, the comic and then the cartoon. You know, he's a great character to show up and help. Uh, he's got a nice visual. It's very odd. But can he lead a series? More difficult. Uh, the demon has led like probably the most the longest series of this whole crew. Spectre aside, and uh, you know like the Kirby original, and then there was like a very long run in the eighties and nineties. Yeah.
1: Well, he was pretty much the grittiest of the grit. I mean, he had this. I mean, a true a antihero. Yeah, and he was you know he was a demon. Can't
0: mess with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the I like the the eighties nineties series because it was like a more satirical. Yeah. And there was something about. I don't know. It, it's a series that I read rather late or, you know, I, I missed a lot of issues and it was like sporadic because, again, yeah. it was one of these books that wasn't available in my area and I I could only discover it later. But it, it's a series I'd like to revisit. I think, like, the art holds up and mm-hmm. uh, I think the stories look interesting. The Demon I have a certain affection for because he was in one of the first comics I ever bought. Uh, like a DC Comics Presents, Superman and the Demon versus really? uh, Black Briar Thorns, like a, a sort of a wooden druid. Yeah, yeah, and I I do believe that in that issue he was rhyming. He hasn't always rhymed. No, he hasn't. He was rhyming in that, and is like, oh, I like I like the poetry of it. I I like it when he rhymes. Yeah, and it was Joe Kubert art. Anyway, it, you know, it made an impression on me. The DM. Yeah. So that's a character I've always uh, liked. I even read and enjoyed the uh, Demon Knights thing from uh, New Fifty Two. Actually,
1: that was probably one of the better uh, comics from the New Fifty
0: Two. It was an interesting take on the superhero team, where yeah, you know, it takes place in the medieval yeah times or fantasy or Camelot times. Or
1: I, I enjoyed it. Actually, it's one of the series that I did. I did buy not till the end because I just quit everything yeah, after yeah. a while. But uh, one of the later ones, I quit. Because I, I thought it was, you know, a, a great fantasy type, bringing in, you know, uh, characters I did like, and Etrigan was just awesome in there. Although he was more of a, you know, a strong-armed. I like the smaller, not as hulking Etrigan, but mm. you know, it, it's fine. I I get that you need like a brute uh, with armor and stuff like that. But I did like him in the New Fifty Two. Did you read the Justice League Dark? I did not actually. I didn't even see the animated movie is that out yet it is okay it is haven't seen it yet but i like the idea of the justice league dark where it's this this team that can do stuff that the justice league just can't
2: come on it's a dream team you me zatanna batman maybe even a justice league
1: let's take a walk on the dark side then you need mystical and magical to fight mystical and magical that's how it works and i know uh, you know magic is just science we haven't discovered or haven't figured out yet but since we haven't figured it out we kind of need you know to use it to fight uh, against this mystical and magical stuff and uh i just i just really enjoy that i enjoy that you know any of the from the justice league dark could you know, take out Superman. And that's a good thing. I love Superman, but I just enjoy that. This is one of the things he cannot, he can't do any, he can't laser eye this, you know, these things. He can't punch through things that you can't comprehend. So I really like that aspect of the Justice League Dark. And it's not the only, they had something else there in, in early 2000s, something like the Justice League Dark. Can't remember the name. The Shadow Pack, they had that. It was kind of a an attempt at yeah creating uh some of a justice league dark and i i just think people weren't ready to put the justice league name on something that would be magical but i think it was a great idea i just love the idea of you know this other i like it more than justice league extreme <laughs> or uh, justice league covert or whatever the, the one with the flash had a, a black suit there and used to do spy missions i like this thing better cuz it's more than just a division of uh, Justice League. It's something that, you know, it exists because the Justice League can't handle these threats. So maybe that's why I didn't really... I I, I would. I wished for a bigger story or a story where uh, something was, you know, great to be in this comic book. Maybe the this
0: Universe needs, uh, you know, a more occult alien species. If, if I think of, like, on the Marvel Universe, the dire race that uh, Rom Space Knight fought. yeah had a whole contingent of uh, witches, basically. So it's like they're aliens, they're body snatchers, but they're also casting spells. Like the males use science and the females use magic. You know, like if that a kind of species like that existed and was part of the Alliance, and then we've brought in the dire race because um, uh, we need to take care of Earth's mystical heroes. Mm-hmm. We don't care about them. They don't have the metagene, but we need to take these suckers out. And then you would have the those aliens basically yeah. taking that part of the invasion and then you could have swamp thing inspector and, and whoever else uh, dealing fighting with dealing with that side because they're being assaulted directly yeah what but, uh, but DC doesn't really have those what what yeah i, I, I can't think of any anyways well there was some
1: uh, earlier on I mean in the in the Golden it,
0: Silver Age but I mean what if what if Sorcerer's World was still you know I mean Sorcerer's World is where the White Witch and Mordru come from in the Legion's time yeah. and a lot of the aliens that we see in the Alien Alliance are from the Legions era and just like retro okay let's see where they were a thousand years before couldn't they have done that to sorcerer's world or i think sorcerer's world was tied into gem world and maybe that's the that was like complicated you couldn't actually use continuity to make it work or perhaps just like the the people at the editorial offices said uh no swamp thing says says thank you
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) says thank you but no thank you probably something like that well i i don't know i just i just i'm just wondering right now where Where are all the magic-using aliens? Yeah,
0: there. There needs to be. I mean, magic can't be a a human. Speaking of absence, uh, we did not give any love to the Phantom Stranger. Any reason, Bass? I really don't know him. He's unknowable. Well, he's a stranger to me. (laughs) And and you know what? He's hardly there. So basically, Phantom. Yeah, no, it's true. I'm I'm very happy to discover his um his storyline in um, uh, Ryan Daly's. Uh, midnight podcast yeah. because i like you i'm never too sure who the phantom stranger is he shows up he says there's a big crisis coming or whatever he plays chess with dark side stuff like that but he's he doesn't really take part although in stories i've seen from his early stories his, his original stories uh he usually he can be counted on to Punch out a bad guy. So yeah. there just there's like the Phantom Stranger as he's used today, and then the Phantom Stranger as he was originally used, and I think that's two different things. So I'm interested to to learn more about this guy, even though I you know I've seen him all my life in comics. To me, there's only one Phantom Stranger comic that I care about at all, and it's like the secret origins of the character, which actually shows four possible origins. Okay. Which is like an interesting gimmick. But otherwise, I mean he's one of Rob Kelly's beloved characters. Uh, obviously, Ryan's covering him now. He's not a character that like I can sag I really have a handle on. So that, that's why I didn't name him as a, a favorite. He kind of feels like,
1: and bear with me, I, I might get hate mail or death threats for this. But he kind of feels like a Dr. Manhattan type thing where he's everywhere but can be nowhere at once he's in every time and no time at once maybe he's, he's kind of this godlike thing but he's just the guy he's a, a big paradox and i don't really yeah. understand i, I don't can't understand. contradict
0: you because i don't really know or he's not always used the same way I, I don't understand him so we know we have lovers of phantom stranger yeah in the audience and in the network so why don't should you go just go on fire and tell us. Tell I'm, us what's wrong with us. <laughs> I'm wide open.
1: This is not Hawkman for me. I'm wide open yeah, yeah. for this guy.
0: So uh, so let us know in the comments. And uh, in fact, we'll take another small break. Yep. And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, attack your letters from the front. calls they answer bringing the fight for freedom to the front lines they are the mystery men and women known as
2: the justice society of
1: america hey there my name is al Gerding, and i have a favor to ask if you're a fan of the justice society of america or other dc comics heroes of the golden age please listen to my new podcast the all-star comics review Grab your reprints, DC Archive Editions, or the original comics if you're lucky enough to own them, and let's explore the adventures of the JSA and other Golden Age greats. Follow along with the All-Star Comics Review Podcast, now found on iTunes, allstarcomicsreview.blogspot.com, and Facebook.
0: Letters from the front! Letters from the front! Today, uh, and I'm I'm cured. You are cute. I've just been listening to my sick self. <laughs> you're, you're, you, you sound good. Yeah, i have just listening to my sick self from a couple of weeks ago. You know, obviously we're doing the uh, the Letters from the Front as close to the release date as possible, which is mm, Soon 12 hours <laughs> oh, yeah. so wow. there you go, 12 hours before uh, So these are comments about our last episode, episode 20 which was about New Guardians number 6
1: Yeah, and uh, that was uh, a shorter episode yeah. uh, we, It wasn't as long as usual, but I, I think we covered all the bases
0: I think so, and uh, still people were kind of surprised that we were so positive on it <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Really? The New Guardians have a bad reputation, but few people actually read it, is ah. is my feeling. So, uh, Rob Kelly, for example, uh, he says, when referring to a character doing cocaine, Siskoid said it was a bit on the nose. Also, in an issue where the New Guardians sit down to watch Red Heat, Siskoid later says the characters got a raw deal. Are these Easter eggs? (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) I choose my words very, very uh, specifically. We plan out everything not true at all as we'll see he said also says and while i think staten's work on this series was among his weakest i really like this cover something about the design and colors make it look old school propaganda postery to me i dig it yeah well i guess yeah, they were in China, so it makes yeah. sense to do... Yeah, like and a, they're all like... They're in a, Russia and China. Yeah,
1: we have this, all the people yeah. on one side kind of pointing towards the people's something. People's heroes yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, looking I can up. see that.
0: Mm. Chris Franklin, uh, also from the network, says, I came into this episode feeling bad for you guys for having to cover this. <laughs> Who knew it wouldn't be all that bad? Uh, sounds like the relevance was very ham-fisted indeed, but as you pointed out, they should get some points for trying. hemogoblin Goblin, the AIDS vampire, was a bit much, though. We agree. Uh, he also says, oh, here's a mistake I made. Speaking of choosing our words carefully. He says, oh, and Jerry Conway was the co-creator of Firestorm, not Carrie Bates, as I oh. said. I thought I'd put that out there before Shag stops by. Network demerits. For some reason, I always mix up these two guys. I don't know. I, I don't know. It sounds similar to me. Jerry Conway, Carrie Bates. I know it's not the same. It's... In my head, I kind of sometimes I think one is the other.
1: I do that with chocolate ice cream and Rocky Road. I always do that. (laughs) Makes
0: no sense. I make no sense. Okay. Chris Phelps. Uh, first time uh, writing Hi, in, I think. How's it going? Now, he has a different perspective. He says, I have fond memories of the new Guardians. Cool. Yeah, I had the full run, but soon afterwards, our basement flooded and they were a casualty, so I never revisited them. I was in middle school at the time, so the issues being so ham-fisted was not an issue for me. I liked the character designs, especially Jet's green electric head fins, I think the main reason I liked it was being a 13-year-old going through puberty and dealing with the fact that I am gay. It was really one of the first times that I saw something relevant to what I was going through in a comic. Well, that's my two cents on the comics. Just wanted to thank you guys for the podcast and all the great memories it brings back. Oh, well, there you go. I think it
1: kind of does that, though, that, you know, the obvious message. And uh, it kind of brings you back to a time where when you're uh, like early teen. Where everything is so vivid and, and, and colorful but also everything is so emotional and raw yeah. and it kind of brings you back to that
0: I think when you're a child maybe some of these messages you don't get why they're relevant yeah. at all and then later it's so, it seems so obvious yeah exactly uh, but there's, there must be there, you know there's a time in your life when these things might be mind-blowing or it might be the first time you come across it and it really speaks to you for some reason uh, and as we see we always say on the network find your joy exactly. and everything is someone's favorite it's, it's, it's a Doctor Who thing i think the doctor (laughs) paradigm we always say uh, shag and i speak of this all often every doctor is someone's favorite every companion is someone's favorite every era is someone's favorite every episode even uh time lash is someone's favorite (laughs) so uh so in this case you know new guardians gets uh, a bad reputation but it really did speak to some people yeah Uh, david ace gutierrez comes in to say guys a confession oh I almost tried to convince my mother to get me a subscription to the New Guardians when I saw the DC ad for their book after Millennium. Not that Millennium was really worth following, but I was intrigued by this team of non-heroes drawn together from different corners of the globe, etc. I wanted to be at the beginning of something new and exciting, and something not available on a newsstand. I'm glad I never got suckered into it. It could be worse, it could be outsiders. (laughs) which spawned a whole thread. Rob Kelly then said, that's it. Pod Dylan, Treasury Cast, and Film and Water are cancelled so I can concentrate on In Through the Outsider's Door, a -A BATO podcast. (laughs) So David came back to give us an excerpt from Pile of Steam, The Fall of Fire and Water. The book goes, If you want to put a date on when it all fell apart, it was when Rob thought that Batman and the Outsiders was something he thought people gave a shit about. All his (laughs) efforts and money went into this futile enterprise. My amazing husband, David Ace, tried to talk Rob down, but you know how Rob gets... Signed, Gal Gadot Gutierrez. (laughs) So this is from a book from the future. Yes. An impossible future, Dave. Uh, And then Rob (laughs) says, her initials could be very social media friendly. G3. How can she say no? And I would watch that VH1 special. Uh, and then Michael Bailey from Views from the Long Box came in to say, "I'll co-host it with you, Rob." #Hashtag kidding, not kidding. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Is this a April Fool's joke or
0: something? No, I mean we always kid about this because uh, on my blog I've torn a um, the Outsiders a new one. I know for a while. It's I think it's like it's the stupidest fucking comic. Anyway, <laughs> I've
1: been reading your blog since
0: then. <laughs> but i mean i mock it but it's yeah. got some value but i really do mock it for rob it's one of his favorite things <laughs> i don't know i think he's just being contrary just you know uh
1: so. everybody needs a metamorpho metamorph- or some yeah
0: or- no, metamorph is metamorph- fine everybody I- needs a geoforce no nobody no? needs a geoforce <laughs> that's it that's it geoforce <laughs> is the suckiest of the suck anyway uh and uh that's why eventually just like there's gonna be a lonely hearts about red tornado even though i hate him so much mm-hmm. there will be some kind of outsiders content on the fire and water network because, i hope so because we're, we're so loving and harsh <laughs> on it
1: uh, you know <laughs> what's the name of that superhero the lady who has uh glowing eyes what's her name again she's in the outsiders looker oh. yeah where she's Supposedly ugly, but her powers makes her beautiful or some stupid thing. Some wrong headed
0: thing, yep. It's just wrong. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But she's not yet in the you know, she's not in there yet. But she's not where I would you know, I'm, I'm mocking it, I'm like a year in. Okay. And I abandoned it because I, I just can't <laughs> I just can't be that uh-huh. negative.
1: Everybody should be a looker.
0: Uh, Michael Bailey. Speaking sp- of lookers, <laughs> Michael Bailey says, I looked at the subject for this episode and the running time and thought, wow, fifty minutes of feedback. That's amazing. <laughs> it wasn't all feedback. In all seriousness, New Guardians was a book I bought in the fifty cent bins because at one point the idea of having every mainstream dc book from crisis to zero hour was a good idea and not a horrible life decision (laughs) i guess my interest in the series can be summed up in the fact that i've never read these issues not even this one at the same time i can't be too hard on the series i'd rather see a noble failure than a successful pile of crap relevance can be ham-fisted and sometimes it can detract from a story but most of the time i can appreciate the fact that they were trying to say something and maybe it gets someone thinking one final note before i'm out this episode is a good example of why I like this show. The host took a book I have never read and made me interested in their commentary. Plus, I appreciate not skipping over the Morts in favor of the better books. Our good pal Shag says, another great episode. I'm waiting for the Jerry Conway comment. <laughs> uh, you did the unthinkable. You held an interesting and non-slanderous conversation about the New Guardians? Impressive! Interesting that New Guardians was relevant and tackled the AIDS issue. Across town at Marvel, Bill Mantlo attempted to do the same thing with North Star in Alpha Flight. He built a story for months, with Northstar getting sicker and sicker. The big reveal was going to be that he contracted AIDS, tying into the worst-kept comic secret that Northstar was gay. Once Marvel figured out what Mantlo was doing, they pulled the plug. Mantlo had to patch the story with some nonsense about Northstar and Aurora being a, a fairy descent. So hmm, <laughs> didn't. Odd. Yeah, so Marvel didn't like him being gay, so they made him a fairy. That's
1: that's <laughs> so that wrong. And that was
0: okay somehow? Uh, anyway, that's so
1: wrong. Terrible. Being Canadian? Alpha Flight is close to my heart?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Northstar's a Quebecer. <laughs> uh, but still, that was like... Yeah, a, I know. That was like a stupid twist. I know, it's stupid. Uh, but um, that that was, you know, so DC was more progressive hmm. back then. Uh, kind of... Cr- Kind of, Chris Franklin, to try and stop the bleeding about the Carrie Bates-Jerry Conway mix-up, but I will not be held in check. Seriously? This network was founded on Firestorm and Aquaman. It's in the bylaws to give Godfather Conway credit as often as possible. You're on warning, Captain Canuck. One more demerit like this and the United States will release its hold on Canada as a colony. What? (laughs) Exactly. He doesn't know. He's in Florida. Come on. Uh, however, you did include my late Captain Adam invasion feedback, so I guess I might cut you some slack. Might. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did admit my mistake. Again. Anne Frank. Ed Frank? A- and Fra- Frank. And Frank? And Frank. Not Anne Frank. No, Anne Frank did not write in. I'm no? surprised. Wow. It was a relevant issue. It was very relevant. <laughs> Where was Anne Frank? Uh, no, Diablo Frank. Okay. Diablo Frank says Millennium is overhated, and I could easily name a half a dozen DC crossovers that were worse. But I'd have a tough time coming up with a bigger Dead on Arrival spinoff than New Guardians. I want to give Steve Englehart points for trying, but when I think of Extranio or read some of Jet's dialogue, it's just like some representation is worse than none at all. Uh, New Guardians is the type of book that gives white supremacists ammunition against diversity in comics. Confusing Carrie Bates with Jerry Conway is an easy mistake, since they were two of DC's best Bronze Age scripters who could successfully evoke the Marvel style of writing. That must be it. That must be it. 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 Uh, After First Strike is over, I'd like to hear Siskoid and Bass do a Batman and the Outsiders miniseries. (laughs) Only from Siskoid's shop, and only a miniseries. Anything otherwise wouldn't be prudent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I I would do something like that, because I never
0: really read Outsiders. Why would I do that to you?
1: I know. You like me.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, it might be a nice Fire and Water Presents episode yeah and i'm gonna steal the rob's thunder Ooh, you want to look at Facebook?
1: that's you want to play a little bit of
0: uh candy crush there uh, just likes and shares uh but also a few comments on there so likes and shares from aaron henley abba Dabba, chris franklin clinton Robinson of coffee and comics daniel budnick david foster d bash gene hendrix h daniel rebolt john grenier jonathan hames who said your podcast made me go and buy the invasion series from Comicsology. cool or maybe it was the cw crossover i can't <laughs> wow. remember Well, we'll take credit. The better choice is us. Martin Gray, Michael Bailey, Nicholas Fromm, Rob Kelly, Robert Ward, Roger Preeb, who said New Guardians. Could that be the worst book to be put out by DC?
1: Mm. Have you read The New 52?
0: Well, no, but I looked at the time. (laughs) You know, because okay. we're talking about all the, yeah. these different comics, and it was probably one of the weaker uh, okay. books that we covered. And so I looked what what was out on that, that month, just that month. And we had a pretty strong DC on the stands in 1988. Mm-hmm. I can't speak to things like, uh, you know, Gamma Rodders or cops and, or, like, tie-in things, but, like, DC Universe stuff. I think the worst book was probably The Wanderers, which is, like, a Legion spinoff kind okay. of Okay, Maybe. Doom Patrol was really in worse shape than New Guardians from what we saw.
1: Hmm, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: But Greg Horson's yeah, I... about to take over, but those last issues are pretty ropey. Yeah,
1: Doom Patrol was on shaky ground.
0: So stuff. I think like New Guardians wasn't any worse than like lower-tier books like uh, Young All-Stars or Action Comics Weekly, which has like, little strips in it, and okay. it at least uneven. Checkmate and Power of the Atom weren't big hits either, really, at the time. Yeah. Uh, but when you compare it to what else was the, they were putting out, New Guardians is pretty weak. We had strong Superman books, we had Death in the Family over in Batman, we had uh, the premieres of Sandman and Mr. Miracle, and the, we had the Bwahaha Justice League. Uh, yeah. which was about to spawn just League like Europe okay so, so it's, it, was it was pretty big yeah Captain Adam was good the Swamp Thing uh, was in there Animal Man Suicide Squad Doctor Fate uh, Hellblazer V for Vendetta I mean 88 was a pretty big year it was a pretty big year 87-88 I mean, was like very strong very strong years for DC New Guardians inevitably looks bad and more Facebook likes and shares from Sean Emmons and Thomas Fovey over on Twitter we had retweets and favorites from Aaron Henley Basement Conditions Bat Chidera Amarachukwu before listening Coffee and coffee Said, I'm betting this will be Bass's and Siskoid's favorite issue yet. <laughs> it I mean, uh, it wasn't the worst. Comic Reflections, David Bayer Jr., uh, Dead as Hell, Giancarlo Nurco, Infinite Earths, Jim Bal, Jim from Gotham, Keith G. Baker, Connell, Man of Screen Podcast, NerdFix, Strangers, The Aquaman Shrine Treasury Comics, Willie Yarbro, and Xenozoic Xenophiles. I apologize if I missed any during my my sick weeks, uh, but uh, that's the whole lot of it wow thanks a lot people thank you very much so if you want to leave any messages for on this episode please do you can leave them at fireandwaterpodcast.com the facebook page for fire and water and of course on twitter we'll find you if you put hashtag fwpodcast thanks a lot guys next
1: time on first strike the invasion podcast invasion number two
2: INVASION NUMBER TWO!